Hello and welcome to the Learning Summit podcast. In this week's episode, we're going to discuss how you can humanise remote work. To start off, it'd be really interesting to find out the different stories from the panel on how you've approached remote work, both in terms of your time management, but also things such as how you've geared up your desk and your setting and your environment for success. We've been in lockdown since late March, early April, and lots of companies and staff have had to adapt to remote working. There's been many positives, such as uh, the simplicity of life and the closeness to family, but there's been challenges around juggling space within the household and Zoom fatigue. Remote work is good in some aspects, you're not polluting the planet, but it's bad in other aspects. For example, where have the water cooler conversations gone? Today, I'm joined by a panel of workplace learning consultants who will discuss the issues of remote work and how we can make remote work more human. So in terms of time management, um, I think it's very important to have a routine. Um, And, you know, previously, whereas it was a routine of getting up, showering, breakfast, uh, getting in the car and getting on the train to work. um, It's maybe a bit more simple now, but uh, it's still the same sort of procedure um, you know, get up at a certain time, do this, then that, breakfast as a family, uh, which is a benefit, uh, and then make sure you're logged on to the computer in time. Uh, in terms of the layout, it's something that I've played around with a few times. Um, so I had a little area for working from home anyway, um, for occasional use. Um, however, it wasn't quite good enough uh, as a sort of permanent or ongoing thing. Um, so for me, I've changed my chair, the desk, uh, the computer um, to make things more comfortable. You know, in terms of the sort of position, it's very important um, that your posture is correct so that, uh, you, you know, you're not going to cause any issues. Um, and I think that change has really sort of made my little working from home station so much better to use. With having two young children, um, both at home, and a newborn, I found it's imperative that I have a certain spot that I work from for the consistency within the home. So I'm always set up at the same place. And they know if they come in with my headset on, they've got to try and keep the noise down. So that's one thing that's helped us. It definitely took me a little while to make sure I had the right setup when we first started working from home in March. At first, I was working from the laptop um, on my lap on the sofa. Um, but quite quickly realised that I needed a dedicated workspace. So I ended up using my box room uh, and converting that into a home office. So I've now got a desk set up. I've got a riser for my laptop, a keyboard and mouse, so that everything's at the right height for me. Um, I've also taken to using sort of that whiteboard, magic whiteboard paper, and having that up on my walls with my to-do list on there. So it just helped me really keep track of what I've got to get done in a day. Um, And it's quite satisfying being able to tick things off the list, I think. Let's talk about the daily habits for remote work. There's lots of good habits that can be ensued and this gears you up towards success. But I want to focus on some of the bad habits and how you can combat these bad habits when you're working remotely. So perhaps each member of the panel could give examples of bad habits and how to combat them. I think mostly around lunch breaks, it's very difficult. Um, one small thing that I've noticed is that I would make my lunches now in my lunch break, whereas before I would just make a load of sandwiches for the week. Um, so I'm eating into my lunch break by making making my lunches in that time as well. But also because 
I'm not in the office and then leaving my workstation, so to speak, or walking outside. I am still being asked questions by colleagues or management. Um, and those notifications may come up on my phone or my laptop might still be on my person. So you don't really switch off during lunch. Um, you, you are still active and you do feel bad for not responding. So, um, I think one of the main things is that there should be clear defined times when, when you're going to be on a lunch break and that you take it like you would in the office. I think that's an interesting point that Lawrence has raised there. Uh, I always found sort of the opposite. So when I was working in the office, um, I tend to grab something quickly and then eat at my desk while doing emails or something like that. Uh, and I found it quite uh, good to have just a little mental breather in the middle of the day um, where I can just sit down, you know, we're now eating as a family. Uh, and I, it's, it's really good to kind of then give you that little moment. You can plan what you're going to do for the afternoon uh, and then sort of just join that when you sit back at the desk and just run with it. Uh, and I found I've had a bit more energy as well, which has been quite positive. In terms of bad habits uh, for remote working, I think one of the issues around communications, um, as a manager of multiple teams uh, in two different countries, uh, you know, we've always been reliant on tools to communicate. uh, And for the majority, I think people really use these tools well uh, and, you know, more applicable. Uh, I think that some of the staff uh, who are maybe UK-based, where previously we weren't using remote tools, they found it more of an adaption to talk to other UK people. Um, and, you know, I think there's, there's still more work that can be done in that area. Most people are doing fine, but there are a couple where they could just improve those skills. So I think particularly very early on in lockdown, my husband was furloughed um, for the first few weeks. Um, that I found quite challenging in that I was upstairs all day um whereas he was downstairs and I knew that he was relaxing so I found myself almost wanting to take more breaks um but then in the end making sure I had my to-do list set up making sure I had sort of drinks um and everything else that I knew I needed for the working day including my notes and things like that um that really really helped me just sort of stay focused and obviously now he's gone back to work and as a key worker he um went back quite early um it's it's been much easier since then and i find myself just spending most of my day in my office in terms of innovation and creativity and the deployment of remote working tools what tools have you seen used successfully to enable teams to gel and to be closer together even if they are far apart one thing that i've seen that businesses seem to be doing a lot more of is because of different availability within uh, the business the recording calls so if people are not available for certain zoom meetings or um, scheduled meetings it can be played back so that's one um, element within software that i think uh, has been really useful during lockdown in terms of tools i think that um, you know we're very lucky that this lockdown's happened when it has in a sense uh, because we're really spoilt for choice in terms of different tools um, and I don't think there'll be any businesses out there that sort of rely on a single tool uh, for the job. Um, you know, I've used probably half a dozen different platforms for different types of messaging, whether that's video, audio, or text. Uh, and I think it's important to understand what the different types give you and to use whatever makes sense at the time. Uh, you know, there's platforms like Slack that are very good for uh, just general communications, uh, Google Hangouts when you want to get somebody then and there. Um, for a quick video call 
Uh, you know, myself probably, probably on 20 video calls a day at the moment. Um, I think it's also important to respect sort of time. So using things like Google Meets to schedule calls is very important because uh, then everyone, you know, can make sure everyone's got the time. It's people can be prepared. Um, so, yeah, I think it's very important to be flexible in the tools and just use whatever makes sense for that context. Of innovation as well, one of the uh, I guess interesting platforms that we've been playing around with is Watch and Learn. Um, and as part of that, it's been really useful. Um, you can do screencasts, which are just recordings done in Chrome, um, and you can sort of walk through um, and do a bit of a, a video and an audio description of what you're doing. Um, and the idea there is that, that can be you know, recorded once and then asynchronously played back by multiple people. So we've used that uh, for training. Um, so some of uh, the technicians have recorded themselves doing various actions um, and then put that together on the Watch and Learn platform um, so that then our customers in turn can go on there, um, watch these and then replicate that. Um, and I think that's better for the customer because it's it's something they can just consume when they want. Uh, and also from a support uh, point of view, that's cheaper. Um, you know, you, you do that once and then it's there, can be accessed many times. Um, so that's more of an efficiency in terms of business as well. Like Arthur said, um, at the moment, we're spoiled for choice, really, in terms of the technology that's available Um for people working remotely. I've absolutely made use of everything possible um, from scheduled meetings and conference calls and video calls um, to being able to screen record um, and just general chat functions like Google Chat, Gchat and Hangouts and things um, to be able to keep in touch with colleagues. So I think that's made it much easier um, and just means we're able to keep in touch with people in a way that we haven't been before. It can be quite lonely working remotely. So how can you bring about empathy into the workplace when you've got all your staff staring at screens in a 100% remote work environment? Being a real multitude of tools, I've actually worked for two businesses across um, this time period. Um, one of those used Zoom video conferencing predominantly for for their meetings uh, with clients, but it was without web- webcam, which was for conference calls and demonstrations and screen shares. And they also used Discord internally. They moved to Teams, did that business, um, Microsoft Teams, which I can't really talk highly enough of Microsoft Teams. It really is an excellent piece of network, um, yeah, networking and instant messaging and video equipment. Um, the, it replaced Zoom for their external calls and screen shares. And it also replaced Discord internally. Um, and having previously been uh, on a Google, uh, with a Google company and, and returning to a Google company during 2020, uh, Teams is definitely far superior for, for many reasons. Um, now at Web Anywhere, we've got um, a, a couple of options, really. We can use Hangouts and we can also use Watch and Learn for sending video messages Um so you've got the benefit of not having to to do something live. You can just send a quick message to someone um, or an audio message as well if you want to. But with um, in terms of habits of businesses, I think it's really helpful if everyone habitually uses their calendars and those calendars are easy to use. That way you can book time in and book calls in with people um, and then just uh, and instead of checking with them when they're going to be free, just book, book a time in and book a call in that way. 
Um, also, where we, Teams was really good is you could see it was more like MSN, um, and you could see when people were online if they were on a call already or if they were set to being busy or at work. Um, so that's something that's that's really helpful. I think the main thing is being able to see people. Um, you know, I think there's something very different from just getting emails and texts to to actually, you know, being on a call with somebody or, or seeing somebody. You know, you can hear the tone of the voice, you can see their face, you can see what's going on. Um, I know that not everyone's comfortable with it, so, you know, especially among the people uh, on my teams, I don't insist that anyone uses the video because it's personal choice, um, but I always do prefer it um, when I can see people and see how they're doing. Um, I think also it's important to make some space, um, particularly on things like daily stand-ups, uh, to just see, you know, to maybe pick up a couple of personal topics. So, you know, I've had a member of staff who's uh, been trapped by a house, so, you know, we talk about uh, the process of going through there. You know, if there's things going on in people's lives that they want to share, I think it is very important because that's the kind of thing that happens in an office anyway. You know, you do have those social interactions. Um I think also uh, being quite open to uh, and receptive to talk about ideas, which kind of replicates the, you know, the moments around the, you know, the water cooler, uh, you know, something's popped into somebody's head, you have a quick chat about it, maybe it'll come to something, maybe it won't. Uh, but I think, you know, using these online tools to sort of replicate that is very important. Um, and, you know, I think it's it's necessary to sort of stay sane with it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, combating the potential loneliness working from home full time um, is really, really important. And I try and do it in chats with my team, uh, whether it's just checking in on them daily with a quick little message, having the odd video call in here and there. Also to talk through work, but just to check in and see how they're doing. And I've also found at the beginning and end of meetings that we have the usual scheduled weekly meetings, for example, there is a little bit of chat at the beginning and end just to see how people are and what else they've got going on rather than just getting straight into the work or making it only about work. Um, so I think that's helping people quite a lot at the moment. We been on video calls and video calls can be quite lethargic some people call this zoom fatigue how are you planning your day to avoid too many video calls and what other techniques have you seen used by businesses to reduce the number of meetings or to reduce the number of back-to-back -back video calls i found during lockdown that um, i've spoken to other departments and other staff members more than i would when i'm in the office typically if you're in the office and you've got a task that you need to finish or a deadline to meet you will go and find a quiet space or be away from your desk. So being able to locate someone can be difficult, whereby when they're working from home, they're sat at the desk all day. Um, so the availability of being able to speak with them is, is a lot better. Um, so I'm actually speaking with other departments more, which is great. See, on this, I don't think it's about the number of calls that people are on, uh, video calls that uh, sort of leads to this uh, Zoom fatigue. I think it's more around whether people are on calls that are necessary. You know, I think if I'm on on a video call and it's something where you know it's either my my piece of work or if I'm a stakeholder in that and I'm interested in it um you know I, I could quite happily be on those all day uh, as long as I can see where it's headed uh, I think it's if you're on a call and you're not quite sure why you're on there or or something's not clear uh, it just kind of it can feel like an interruption to your day you know I think there is this, this social side to it you know maybe uh, having the camera on, people feel like they have to perform or, you know, you're on stage, uh, as it were. Um, and I think part of that is just being used to it. You know, 
in my experience, I've been doing video calls for, you know, the best part of a decade. So I'm very comfortable uh, with them. But I do recognize some people haven't had to do that before. And for them, it would be a, a real massive shock um, to constantly have the light on there, spotlight on you. So I think in that, I think it's probably quite important to not have the video camera on. Um, at least not if you're not comfortable with that just so you can sort of ease yourself into this sort of process. And then perhaps with, with time, you'll feel more comfortable with it. Yeah, getting around Zoom fatigue is an interesting one. I think it's all about just making sure that relevant people are invited to the meetings that you have. You don't need to have an entire team um, on on every call, for example. It just needs to be the people who are involved in that particular project that you're talking about. And any other people that need to have that information can receive that in in the form of meeting minutes or perhaps recorded um, recorded screencasts or recordings of the meeting itself. So in conclusion, when you look at remote work and making it more human, What are the key issues that businesses and business leaders need to consider in terms of bringing empathy and that human connection into the workplace? Because when everyone's siloed, it can be challenging. The communication overhead, no doubt, is much larger. So what can businesses do? Making the communication more human is really something that all businesses need to look at, I'd say. Um, I think making use of software like we do internally, like Watch and Learn and SoundBranch is really important. You can leave voice notes, video messages, screencasts um, and text-based messages. Uh, And particularly on the video and voice side of things, you really get to hear not only about projects that people are working on, but it's more empathic and you get to hear how they're feeling about those as well. Um, And it's really important in a remote working environment, I'd say. And I think it's important to consider that this isn't something just for now. You know, I think moving forward, you know, business will have changed. The world will have changed. People are used to working from home now because they've had to, Um, you know, and it's been proven that this works. You know, many businesses that weren't sure they could do this have done it because they had no choice. You know, it's the crisis, it's the hard times where people adapt and, you know, the good businesses uh, survive and the great ones thrive. so I think it's important that these tools are things you'll use now, but also become part of that business process um, in the future as well. A method of communication that I never used before the lockdown process was uh, would be screencasting. Um, screencasting is such a good way to get your personality across in terms of information that you want to pass on to other people. So, for example, you know, you can do a quick screen recording with key bits of information, any any news that's popped up, and then you can then share that with the relevant people. There's no pressure for the relevant people to watch it there and then. Uh, You know, everyone's busy, so it's not always convenient to jump on a a video call. So those guys can come back and revisit what, what you've sent them at a later date. I'm also finding it great in terms of weekly meetings. So... Weekly meetings can get a little bit monotonous. Um, Sometimes it's a little bit of a case of death by PowerPoint. Uh, Whereas, you know, if you can, you know, pull your screen up, show a pre-recorded video, um, it's a much more engaging way to to keep your team focused and engaged. Um, As I said, I never used screencasting before the lockdown process, but it's definitely something that I I will be using 
um, in the future, even after the lockdown situation ends. So it's it's been a, a great a great find for me during this process. I just want to say a big thank you to the panel of guests and their contribution to the show today. It's very much appreciated. Thank you also to you, the audience, for listening to the Learning Summit podcast. If you've enjoyed it, do subscribe and share on social media. And until next time, thanks for listening and bye for now.